Somewhere men are laughing and somewhere children shout. But there is no joy in Mudville. Mighty Casey has intro oh me too it's so clean although i made it so you know i my opinion doesn't matter True. as much I, but i do appreciate it <laughs> everybody uh, give brody a round of applause for that new intro if you heard it and you were like whoa i've never heard this before nobody else had either it was the first time yeah so well, you're on the right side of of history there you go as you, they say you, you helped out with the uh the selection of sounds so we'll take that you, oh you can, yeah you can collect sure i i did i did some of it too i i asked brody to replace uh clint eastwood in dirty harry with no uh, john Wayne. no that, is that not dirty harry no dirty harry is you feeling lucky huh punk but what's make or my day you punk Make my day. Sudden impact. Oh, I've shit. never seen either of these movies. To be clear, but I've, I had saw, to look I've them up seen. To but get the, these, the characters, the it's, it's the same character, right? He's Clint Eastwood. He's the same character in every movie. Yeah, okay. <laughs> even the ones when he's an old man. He, he, even in <laughs> the Mule, when he's having threesomes <laughs> and being a pal the of the uh, the lesbians. I recommended that Brody replace. Clint Eastwood in Sudden Impact with uh, John Wayne saying that's my stake balance. So that's my that's, stake that's part of my balance. contribution to the new intro. Anyway, we should probably stop talking about that <laughs> and start talking about the uh, stuff that actually matters. Uh, we were off last week. We, we did were. not record an episode uh, because there was a new guy moving into our apartment. Uh, we didn't know who he was. He just kind of showed up. <laughs> he I don't showed know. Up. <laughs> just kidding. No, but he's you know, a very old friend of mine. We. But, uh, yeah, we, we had uh, a big week. We had a lot going on. Um, we now. also took the past week to uh, plan out some of the some things that we've got in store. There's going to be some changes for the podcast. Here. We've got some pretty big things in store here that we've been discussing over the past couple of weeks. So uh, certainly keep we, an eye we're on. We're hammering on that. out some details over oh, the last yes, week, and, and we're. Uh, 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 yeah, no, I got an email the other night for the official uh, CBD of <laughs> Major League Baseball. If you don't know what CBD is, it's fake weed that you eat in the form of a gummy before Pilates class. I think you can also put it in your pipe and smoke it, but I think it's only in I don't think very many people do that. I think it's like, I think most of the people who take the time out of their day to ingest CBD instead of like regular weed spend the money are also so expensive of the mind that smoking is a particularly uh unbecoming way of of consuming that particular product sure. and they might think that you know just popping a little lime gummy in, into <laughs> little, their mouth gummy worm keeps 
keep, keeps Peach maintains their uh, innocence a yeah. little bit. But I just fi- purity I, in the eyes of the Lord. I find it ironic <laughs> that Major League Baseball is now getting in on this, and incredibly unsurprising Dude. yet still I- ironic. I think it ties in super well with the embrace of like DraftKings and say, sports, sports gambling yeah. and like they betting on every particular play of of a game but yeah. then they they would suspend a player for for doing something like that yeah man um yeah no, i know i i didn't purchase the product but that that wasn't an email i expected to get. <laughs> it didn't didn't work on you yeah and that's like it's funny that you you want to open with that though just because i like can you imagine the leagues i don't know five years ago doing any of this stuff like i mean gambling specifically but like you know like weed and gambling like you know not that i i do whatever the hell you want but like it's it's just so funny to see like these i don't know like purveyors of like morality when it comes to a lot of other things that aren't great or like particularly in terms of the way that they spend their money and treat very poor international teenagers we're in the midst of uh, what for me is is arguably the the most electric three three week span of the year in which the uh, fantasy baseball finals and the MLB playoff hunt line up with the first three weeks of the NFL season. It's a great time of year, uh, just is, fantastic. These three Sundays, if they go well, Ugh. are just sublime. Can it and get much better? Even yes, if they actually, don't, go it, well. it can. <laughs> if certain teams were in the playoffs, but that doesn't matter. And even if they don't go well, they're they're still unforgettable. You know, they they create moments that you can talk about with your friends for years. You know, my my baseball situation is is looking pretty good, but I don't think you anybody wants a to good hear fantasy about. story. But it is true. I think it yeah. it, it only protect like people find fantasy shit interesting if you like actually either know the person or know people within the league. Mm. Otherwise, it's like uh huh. I think for <laughs> me, it's just particularly interesting now because overlap specifically the first three weeks of one season lines up with the last three of an, another and that just feels like you know a, a moment that i want to celebrate i had nick and, and back on the podcast a while ago talking about our favorite ways to do fantasy leagues and i i hope that it, a couple people might have listened to that and wanted to start doing it for the first time but that, like, that episode so that was the first episode that i was not on and i was actually i was at work and i threw it on while i was doing stuff and i was like <laughs> that's the first time i was like man this is we got something. <laughs> I got oh, to this pod. Well, thank you, Because it was man. just, you know, it was like, it was just listening to a podcast with you on it and uh, Nick and Beck. They were great. Shout out to our podcast. <laughs> Shout out to our, uh, yeah, wait. That, okay. I don't mean to be that kind of fucking dude. I wasn't on the episode. I can compliment yeah, no, you. It's okay. <laughs> but that literally was a shout, shout out to my podcast. <laughs> we crush it, brother. Dude, we, we went off. <laughs> It's crazy to think that wow. that we started it now like six months ago, it's, almost. We almost started to the it day. before baseball started. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it was actually six months ago, like to to the day. It should be around then. Yeah, it, it would September have been 13th, early yeah. early March, and uh, it seems like six months in. And now it's time to kick it up to the next level. Just feels like yesterday we it. were getting all this started, and I was thinking of like what we want to do, and you know now. Uh, conversations that we're having about like the next six months and beyond for the podcast. I think it's it's a. Uh, an interesting parallel, and this is also our twenty-fifth episode, so oh, it's a nice that. round. It's a nice couple round numbers for yeah. us. Nice, nice moment. Just Fun a little, stuff. 
spot to uh, check in on yeah. on where we're at, you know? Now, if I may, we should climb out of our own assholes right now. But <laughs> That's probably a good idea. I've yeah. been getting really into baseball cards as of late. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. But I've been like browsing eBay looking for deals on yeah. like certain, uh, but particularly um, prospects that I yeah. believe are, are going to do well. So like Although you a did couple buy guys. into the Rockies recently. <laughs> well, he, I spent like $2 on the Rockies. I bought that's $2 too many. Chris like Bryant and Ezekiel Tovar, yeah. gold tops, pristine cards, numbered to 50. If that means anything to you, that, that's great mm-hmm. probably not for for too many so i'm, I'm sorry not how much did you pay to lingo. have to take these cards <laughs> okay funny <laughs> brody called me an nft guy which i think he couldn't be more wrong because i, I did not call cards, you an nft guy i said it's nft adjacent it's not first <laughs> of all we don't need to abbreviate the word adjacent i think i think it's funny. no <laughs> it's i nft adjacent i reject it and it's That's, also not because baseball cards are actually real you you can hold them in your hand. Take this one right okay, there. Okay, but it's it's uh, oh, hold okay. That? Yeah, uh, who we got here? Chris Brown. Oh, it's Mookie Betts. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, thirty-one out of fifty. Face. Right. Well, you know what? Whatever. You got a point. But I still think. Can that you the touch idea- an, an NFT? No, it's just a picture of an no, ape. I don't like NFTs. <laughs> I'm like I'm with you. I'm just saying that the, it's like the way that you kind of get sucked into like the market value and like this is going to be worth a lot. And like you know it's. It's different because it has like practical associations with it where somebody's actual human life will improve or do what's the word improve or ruin the value of the that's true you're so like it's you know it's like the value of the whatever, card will like fluctuate appreciate as or depreciate. somebody's life gets better or worse <laughs> yeah. it is it, it is a little suspect to when when you put it that way yeah but it's um, still better than buying a randomly generated pixel art for eight million dollars anyway i um, do have a, a couple of friends <laughs> who yeah i do have a, a couple of friends who were telling me recently about how they had such good wander franco cards and like that's just the prime example Ooh, of out of absolutely nowhere that goes from like top of the market to absolutely no value that is so sad because nobody wants your like platinum card. jeffrey epstein card <laughs> yeah your <laughs> your parallel Epstein. Nobody wants the rookie Dennis Hastert, Speaker of the House of Representatives, pedophile. You don't get that. Uh, no, that, that, that was that, that was, was, that was a deep my, cut over my. That was the there. second pedophile that I thought of. That's uh, in uh, there are so many others to choose from, especially because we're a baseball and uh, and <laughs> movies podcast, and you went straight for former <laughs> Speaker of the House, House of Representatives. <laughs> it's an odd choice actually Um, there's not a lot of jared from subway sure okay i I, was i pulled a future jared uh, woody allen but that works no woody allen is not a a pedophile he thought he was well well, he had the woody allen daughter raised his raised an adopted daughter and then left his wife and married her what about pataki or or polanski like so his his wife now is like fifty three, so Woody Allen, yeah. Oh. So it's a little weird to be call him a pedophile for, but 
it's it, it's yeah, definitely it an incredibly fucked up situation. Yeah. But I don't know if I'm gonna put him in the Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> it's just really funny it. if like somebody saw like, the two of them out together and like didn't know the situation. Then somebody ran up and called him a pedophile in front of them. Oh, like, they're, they're what definitely. You, in, what was that about? Like, that woman is in her fifties. They're definitely <laughs> in the same like cultural sphere. I just find that the concept of grooming a fifty-year-old to be kind of funny. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, it's like Bill Murray was dating uh, Callis earlier in the year, and he was like seventy-two, and she was something, and everybody was like, "Wait, is that half his age plus seven? And it was like the exact number. Uh, that's funny. It was like they were waiting for it to happen right, so that they could right, finally right. date, and then they broke up three months later. Naturally, I don't this know. Bill Murray. Yeah, Bill Murray was dating Callis. He's the, still like out there. Who, if if the listener doesn't know, is the singer of uh, My Milkshake Brings All the Boys to the Yard. What did they have to discuss? <laughs> the what? films of Apparently Wes Anderson? Apparently not much, I guess, because it only lasted three months, but still. Democratic yeah. politics? Sure. Do you think um, Bill Murray... Is Bill I think Murray, Bill Murray's like very into pop. He's probably like very into it. I think... I feel not, like he's like not in the straight sense, down the middle type well, dude. Like listen, old grandpa, like, but like thinks they're doing the right thing. Listen, not, not like in the sense where like he's very like active and like doing anything for like good causes i feel like he was the kind of guy that was just always paying attention to what like donald trump was was doing on a particular yeah like a george takei yes exactly (laughs) yeah Yeah, yeah. george takei and uh bill murray went out I, i could see them going out for brunch together and just like talking about trump's tweets the whole time yeah I don't know about the two of them specifically, but people like them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they could be friends. I They they don't strike the same chord no, in Bill, my brain. Bill Murray is a cantankerous old man. I feel like who, George Takei is a very pleasant individual. I don't know if I Bill don't know. Murray comes across as he'd be a... Like, okay, if George Takei came over to your house, I think you would walk away saying, what a lovely evening. If Bill Murray came over to your house, I think you would he, he would leave and you'd be like... Fun, but Jesus, <laughs> you know. George Takei strikes me as a man capable of great evil. I don't know, like just something. I think that's something your, in his eyes. That should be your episode title, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I attended trivia, um, bar trivia. Did you win on the Upper East Side? It's an interesting story, actually. Okay. Um, so we get in there. Now I've done the trivia at this bar one time before they do like themes for every night. And like the last time we were there was like TV and it was like one round was reality TV. One round was like dramas. One round was sitcoms. awful. At TV. That one was rough. Um, but last night was sports. Oh shit. And this is sports bar trivia, which means or it's not a sports bar. I was bar. invited to this, this and is, I passed were, and now I'm regretting it. You should, time. you should be regretting it. It was fun. But so it was not, it's not a sports bar. It was bar trivia, which there were not a lot of sports fans in this bar. Uh, and the theme was sports. So that means you just cooked. Home run on every single question. So the first like few questions, it was the NFL, then the MLB, then this bar does a music round every time. And then the fourth round was mascots, which I was kind of, it was like they gave you the name of a mascot and then you had to say the, like the, the team, which I, like I, I was, the, the example that they gave I would have not gotten like a few days ago, except I recently watched something that said the name of the mascot. It was who is Orbit? 
Oh, um, the Astros? Yeah, I didn't know that he existed until about five days ago. I think that's <laughs> reasonable. And uh, in the example for the round, like when they were explaining what the rule was, they said, so for example, we might say Orbit, then you would say the Houston Astros. I was right. like, oh shit, man, I only learned about them a few days ago. This might be bad. And then it was like, Benny the Bull, yeah, and the Wally the Green Monster, <laughs> Mister Met. <laughs> like that was one of them. Oh my god, that was that was one of them. I it was said actually, that as a joke. I, I remember the five. That's it was insane. it was uh, Benny the Bull, which is the Chicago Bulls. Bernie, B U R N I E, the Heat. Yes, yeah. Wally the Green Monster. Okay, Red Sox. Mister Met, uh, the Padres. Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, <laughs> did a weird flipperoo they did last season. It's uh, yeah. they traded they traded Mister Met for Juan Soto, uh, um, and they ate thirty million dollars. <laughs> they ate thirty million. Uh, and uh, oh, and the fanatic. I was like, this okay. is that's so easy. easy. Um, so anyway, long story short, uh, there was a baseball round, by the way, which it was like, um, it actually, it, it you know, it wasn't like. Who was the captain of the Yankees? It was like, you know, like who is in the lead in the American League? Who has the most home runs right now? Like it was, you know, like you have to be up to date to have done well. Um, anyway, we're tied for first with three other or with two other teams at the end of round five. They do a bonus round at the very end. Um, and they they decided to make it decided by a chug off. And the prize for the night was a free round of beer. So you could, you know, I, I, I was nominated by my team to go do the chug off. And so I was you like, obliged. I am not 19 anymore, but okay. Uh, and we, we think that they greased them because there's a video where it is like a photo finish with me and this other guy. I asked for the video that they took. We watched it. It's literally, I think I have them by a split second. And then we were like, oh, man, all right. Well, you know, if you say you saw you had better perspective or whatever. And then after we left, one of our team members went back into the bar to grab something. And then the, the judge was like hugging like the team that she said won. And was like, oh, I'll see you guys next week for dinner or whatever. And I was like, oh, my God. We've been, we've been had. You were had. You were had. I had that shit. I knew I won it, too. And I was like, man. That's we, they They greased them. They froze the envelope. <laughs> we're going to go back next week now and <laughs> cook every now now i'm in gonna now have to we're gonna take this place down yeah we're gonna bring oh, bring wow. the whole operation down but what do we have so far for this episode we've got a shout out to our podcast <laughs> <laughs> a bit about the ill-timed bill murray kellis fling <laughs> pedophile <laughs> discussion and a personal anecdote where you won trivia and chugged a beer no i got Fucking i got sick. cheated at trivia i know i know you got shafted <laughs> but for the Man, the which is such the, a better story than if I had won. I, I know, but, <laughs> I know, but like for the sake of continuity yeah. of my sentence, that was, that's that's fair. Yeah. To in in uh, in search of comedy. Um. Anyway, anyway, the AL West on. playoff race <laughs> is moving on to the Seattle Mariners. <laughs> yes. Um. Through so Houston, Texas, and Seattle, all within two games of each other the jockeying every day somebody else is in first somebody else is out of playoff contention it's right fun now stuff. houston is up by two games uh they and seattle have both been red hot as of late and julio rodriguez broke out of a sophomore slump with a white hot august meanwhile the texas rangers are an absolute dude. free fall he's so fun to watch julio is absolutely one of the most Ugh, electric, electric 
and must-watch players in baseball. Only word. I feel like whenever I'm watching a Seattle Mariners game and it feels like it's a big moment and where there are more eyes than usual on on Julio Rodriguez, it seems like he always hits a home run. Yeah. And it's just true. There are just some players like that and I don't know if it, if it necessarily means anything. I don't have any stats to back that up, but you you get the feeling watching that guy play. But he's got the juice, whatever it, that means to you. Like meanwhile, wait, the, would you like to hear the playoff odds right now for the AOS? Because they're sure. actually very interesting. Yeah, I was just going to go into Texas being in free fall. So, so let's let's hear. They that. they are in third currently in the division, and according to FanGraphs, this is interesting. The Astros. 96.8% chance to make the playoffs, sure. Uh, to win the division, 65%. Mariners, 21% to win the division, 77.2% to make the playoffs. The Rangers, 13% to win the division, 79% chance to make the playoffs. Wow. I don't know how they have lower chances to win the division and a higher chance to make the playoffs than the Mariners. That is, I, What is that based on? It has to be like some kind of like divisional record. Like, how does that work? They, that does. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand that. They certainly don't have a the Mariners shot also have a higher division. percent to win the World Series than the Mar- or the Rangers by two percent. So I don't. I really am very confused on how they are calculating that. Yeah, that doesn't quite make sense to me because right now, um, oh, I see it. I see it. The Rangers are projected to have a tenth of a win more than the Mariners as of right now. Oh, that's okay. crazy! Wow. I guess that's where it is. Yeah, that's how. But uh, to the point that I'm trying to make with all this, that's how tight this race is, and this like next couple, what two and a half weeks is going to be real fun. Do they play each other again? Who Mariners Rangers? I yes. guess they both could. Oh, go, Mariners Rangers to close the season. That's from crazy. September twenty eighth to October first. Yo, the script writers oh, gave us a gift. Oh man, with that one. that's going to be fantastic. <laughs> I can't wait for that series. Oh, and I will, wow, actually, I missed another one. They also play from uh, September twenty second. They have two the, more series through the twenty fourth. Wow. Then they play the Astros. For three games, and then they play the Rangers again. They have 10 games in a 10-day stretch Psychotic. all against those teams. And Love that's what's going, to devi- what's going to define their season. So uh, one other um, little foil that we should mention since we're talking about this. Uh, the Blue Jays are game out of the wild card. Yeah, the Blue Jays are really going back and forth. They, they are, for their there's lives. no chance that they... If they want to go to the dance, they have to... Make the wild card, obviously. The sure. Rays have the first spot locked up, and they can't even come close to winning it. Well, I guess they can come close to winning the division. They're like a, a few games out. But um, the Rangers and the Blue Jays are playing right now, actually. The Rangers are up 4-2 uh, to two on the Blue Jays in the bottom of the seventh. Kevin Gossman pitched, and he gave up four <laughs> earned in the first three innings. One of these days, maybe we'll make it a, a special episode, but I want to do an episode breaking down the last like four years of Blue Jays baseball. Sounds great. Because it has been really weird. Like truly strange. When was the last time a core has been this hyped up and has done like less? It I've I've thought about that a ton. I, mean, I don't know. They they're like stars I mean, they are good. Like, I mean, you know, Boba Shett is a stud. That dude is one As of the best hitters in the league. Vladdy. Vladdy is a stud. 
I mean, Kevin I, I don't like George Springer for what he did, but I respect him as a baseball player. I like Springer. Like, it's, I, I mean, oh, he's okay. I, I don't like that. You know, they like, certainly the have. Like, I, and he beats the shit out of the Yankees. It yeah. was really <laughs> annoying. Um, but I respect him. But well, <laughs> it's uh, anyway, he's good. But and their pitching has been good, which is true, too. Gossman has been like good the last few years. They went out and got a uh, Hunjin Ryu after his whole thing. And, you know, he's or after he, he had a like top what three Cy Young season. Something like that before they got him. Is that right? I don't know. They shipped out Robbie Ray at the best possible time. Like, they, well, Robbie Ray signed elsewhere. By shipped out, I mean let him leave. But yeah. you get the idea. Like, made the right decision. Yeah. So they, de- they definitely let Robbie Ray go with the right. But that's time. what I mean. They've made good decisions. They have an interesting roster with talented players. So how the hell are they not winning more? <laughs> like, what is they fired a manager like twice in the last few seasons? I think, and it's just it's like a mess. I don't get it. The only playoff experience they have is that incredible choke job of yeah. Seattle where they yeah. were up like 6 nothing, and then they lost. That game was awesome. That whole series <laughs> that was, was awesome. Like, and I think we oh might be God. honestly destined for a Houston-Seattle rematch in the postseason now. Yeah. Because those two teams, like I said, are both red hot in the middle of September. Yeah, and the Blue Jays just have... They don't have, they don't have the juice. They don't Julio have the juice. has the juice. Julio has the juice. The Astros have the juice, unfortunately, for the rest of baseball. The Rangers, I don't think, have the juice. No, they are proving to the whole world right They're now juiceless. that they do not have the juice. Yeah. Although they are up 4-2 to two right now in this game. We'll that's see if that lasts. True. But, well, that's because they're playing the Blue Jays, who don't have the juice. The Rangers don't have the juice. The Rays don't have to worry about having the juice until the playoff starts. And uh, the Mariners coming up hot. Mariners absolutely coming up hot. Good month. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They have all of the momentum. Well, they did coming into the month. They're uh, four and six in, in their last ten, and they've got that huge stretch, like we said, to end the regular season against their mm-hmm. two rivals. In the National League, the Braves have dominated the entire league, hit like 50 I don't think more we even home need to runs talk in their closest the competition. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I think we do, and have already right, clinched. We talk about the Phillies. Yeah, they've already clinched the National League East. Wait East, a minute. Which on September 13th is just remarkable. Okay, yeah. I've been bring, wondering bring all year <laughs> who the beneficiaries would be of the Padres, Mets, and Cardinals all all choking their playoff expectations. And the fact that we still don't know, and it could be like any one of like five teams. Six teams. Six teams. It's still incredibly exciting. Oh, yeah. I, I, I wrote my notes earlier today when there were two teams tied for the final wild card spot. Now there are three in addition to the Phillies who are four games up and the Cubs who are two and a half? We have the Wait Giants. How many games out of the Diamondbacks Cubs right and now? Reds? The Cubs all are tied. Like, what are they? Four and a half out of the division? Something like that. Yeah, that's not out of reach. No, it's not. But it's it. If it's not the Cubs, then it, the West it, it'll be the, the Brewers. The Brewers. Uh, those two teams in those two spots are this certainly is interchangeable. Insane. But then you have the Giants. It's at seventy-five Holy and seventy-one. Shit. Diamondbacks at seventy-six and seventy-two, and the Reds also at seventy-six and seventy-two. All tied with each other, and the Marlins. Only half a game back. Wow. With two weeks okay, left. Also, the in Braves the might win 110 games. The Braves are obscenely good. I, I think they will, actually, yes. if I had to say. What um okay. Ninety six and fifty as it currently stands. What do you what's what's the final? I'm gonna say the line let's say let's put the line at one oh eight. Um I say That's twelve out of the last twenty. I say over. 
that's yeah i think you have to i think you have to i think you really have to 108 is insane uh, uh, yeah <laughs> like, i mean i bet they man. finished with like 109 exactly wait what is isn't the record 112 no record's 118 i think that's total from like in the playoffs no well, how many did the mariners have um i i mean i thought that the record was the mariners in 2001 were 116 116 so 116 and 46 okay. so the yeah, record so is 116 can't get so to that well no if they win out <laughs> yeah i guess if 20 but okay that oh one mariners team was insane the fact that they didn't win it's uh, i mean it's unbelievable Go watch John Boyce history of the Seattle Mariners. That's still yeah, my choice it. for the the best thing that's been released this decade. It it might be. Yeah, I I've, mean, I've got that, a private letterboxed list where I've got like my my top ten that I'm gonna keep like messing with for the rest of the 2020s. But uh, in that it it is still in that that top spot right how now. How does uh, how does the Vikings stack up? So yeah, I mean it's it's actually a good time to maybe segment to this, but yeah. I I finished the uh, oh well we should say, the, if you're not familiar with John Boys and the content that he makes, you're a fool. Well, like, I was just going to shout him out. Like, yeah, it's you are you are depriving yourself of like truly the best thing that you can put in your brain in the world of like sports content. That arguably you can the, the just most general content <laughs> like i mean i don't even I, I hate the word content he's like arguably the the most revolutionary and consistent filmmaker working right now yeah. um he's somebody that i've been huge on ever since like 2015 Same. back when i was in, in high school and he was working for um sb nation mm-hmm. before he started everything with secret base and with dorktown um I remembered even back then, like he was just doing things that nobody else were doing. Um, lately, he has absolutely come into his own over the past few years. In 2020, he released a uh, six-part, I believe, series, the uh, history of the Seattle Mariners. It clocks in around four hours, uh, and it it's amazing. St- it, it it really is. It's an incredible work of art, and it is centered around the idea that the Seattle Mariners are the protagonists more or less of baseball or that you can at least like make that argument i don't even think it's the best thing he's made (laughs) that that's arguable that's the thing like i i'd say maybe 17 776 however you want to pronounce that like that is the thing that made me want to start writing honestly that is like directly that is many times it's or it it at least like inspired like the way that I wanted to write, you know? Right, right, right. And um, I, I so think yeah, you, the fact funny. that you can argue that, yeah, that he is a generational artist and he is somebody that is doing something that nobody else has done and that is not something that I can say really about anybody else right now. The um, Steve, Steve. The yeah. Steve is uh, that it made me change the way that I wanted to tell stories about sports. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's, you know, that is the most, I mean, magic is the only word that describes that. Like, seriously, like that, w- I still get chills thinking about the first, like, five minutes of that documentary. I Like, legitimately. Yeah, like that, we won't, we won't just, spoil it. But if, just if, the line, that ball knew where it was going. It was going to visit an old friend. I'm <laughs> like, even now, it's just like, oh my God. Anyway. If you haven't seen it yet, especially just the first, just go watch the first five, like five minutes of the minutes. series captain ahab Man. pause this podcast go watch go that, watch that come and back. come back here yeah. we we fully co-sign that idea uh it would that would be great you 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 will be so happy you, you did need it. it um like you were saying captain ahab that was my my number one 
film movie whatever you want to call it of last year that was the best thing that i had seen i think it's in my like top five on that same list i was just talking about but uh the number one and number two right now are i mean this is all subjective of course like this is just my like i don't i don't really care about ranking that much but yeah number one is it's just a it's a history you know, of seattle mariners like, and have to rank it. number two is um oppenheimer so that that's <laughs> in context <laughs> yeah that's fair yeah um with seattle seattle mariners just he he was able to create create something that made me feel a way about a team that I had never had a particular relationship with and almost turned me into a fan of them. Like I know a number of people watch that and they just started caring more about the Seattle Mariners. I think he's able to, he was able to do that with the Atlanta Falcons too. And then, you know, just, just, I mean, like that was a good series. I I don't think that had the same, it didn't have the same effect on me. Yeah. Like, I, I think that's all right. Like, I, you know, that one is I, like, I just don't think I, I care about the Falcons. Sure. I think <laughs> like also just baseball has that. Like, their, story, inherent it's just their story is not as good it. as yeah. like, I mean, it's a good story and the, the series is well made and everything always, of course. Um, I just don't think it's like as a compelling story as like, first of all, the Vikings already through the first few episodes and the Mariners and Dave Steep specifically. <laughs> I, I just finished the uh, Minnesota Vikings one this week. And I think it's, it's certainly interesting to put those three in, in context because like at this point it's clear, you know, like how are you going to work within the framing of like this team has never won for so long that it feels like it's a curse. Yeah. And how do you turn that into a story that feels like um, a uh, hero's journey, like in typical fiction? Like the way that he's able to differentiate that between like the Falcons and the Vikings, which are two on their face pretty similar stories, mm-hmm. like you would think at least. Like he's able to make them kind very, of. very, yeah. But like, you know football team been around for however never won a super bowl in like most people's eyes that's the same thing um and and ours yeah yeah i think if you of course if you don't yeah like if you go in you know just thinking like this is you know oh the history of the team this is going to just be like okay here's what their record was in 1968 and here's what happened in the playoff like it is he i think we talked about this recently the way that his style combines numbers and humanity it is like it just it i mean we could go on for fucking ever about john boys honestly because he is exactly what we love which is good storytelling good filmmaking and beautiful stories about sports and fantastic uses of statistics <laughs> which and is also i i don't know i love statistics I love and stats. he is like An the main to look at them, reason yeah. that i think we both realize that we really love that stuff yeah. like that is at at least in in large part because of him yeah um it's yeah. true. So, John, if you're listening, thank you. Come on the podcast. <laughs> Come man. on the we pod. Would have, that would be the best oh episode Oh, my Lord. Ever. That'll happen one day, I think. I, let's, you know happen. what? Let's make that happen. Yeah, that's, that's the goal. That's, that's our goal. That's our, that's that's our, our one-armed man. John boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thankfully, he has, has two arms, but that's we'd a, like to... Like now, isn't that John. a thing? Isn't that you're like the one arm man? Yeah, yeah. No, it's an well, archetype, isn't it? I I think what that what is, is that. Why have I heard that? Well, it's it's like uh, it's in fiction. It's like a one arm man that it's like you saw right? do, doing like a a bad deed, like he committed, and then like everybody blames the the guy for it, and then he goes, yeah. "Oh, it's the one arm man." So it's like you have to. It's like the idea of that enigmatic figure who like if you discover his presence, like 
everything is solved for you basically like it's it's kind of just like a MacGuffin. yeah what is the no then that's not it's like the um what is i don't know like your goal (laughs) Uh, your your end goal (laughs) (laughs) doesn't have to be colorful and fun i guess (laughs) you you thought one-armed man meant like end goal well like something that you're like shooting for like like uh (laughs) like a thing that you're like what like uh no not not exactly but that's okay that's close enough yeah fair enough um um if you had to guess because earlier we before we started recording we were talking about um kenta maeda and how he showed up and was supposed to be um well not supposed to be but he was like uh well, he was in the NL, and he was going to be, like, hitting as well. Kenta um, Maeda shoved tonight against the Chicago White Sox, which this is, is why we were discussing this. Is why we were discussing this. Um, if you had to guess, who has more career home runs between Kenta Maeda and you, Darvish? Who would you guess? Uh, I, I guess you, Darvish. I don't know. They both have one career home run, <laughs> which wow. I find very interesting because they, first of all, now this is, because pitchers don't hit anymore, so they don't have the chance anymore. But I really like things that have only happened once in sports. And so, like, if you're, like, a you know, you had so many opportunities and you have one homer, like, as a pitcher who got to hit, like, do you think they just, like, think back every now and then, like, wish? It's like, I did it once. Maybe if I got back in there, I could do it again. I (laughs) definitely think there are some guys who have that thought. I had an uh, Uber driver once in 2018 who, like, the the entire, there was like a half-hour ride. The entire time, he was talking about how if he was going to build a team, he would take Hyunjin Ryu over any other pitcher in the league. Did he say why? Also, by the way, both of their home runs, the the single ones, were both in 2016. Anyway. Okay. Fun fact. That's interesting. Um, Yeah. Um, and it was he said it was because Hyunjin Ryu could also hit, and so he was going to exploit the was this like when Shohei was dual in the threat. No, this is right. <laughs> this is right before Shohei came okay. in. It was like one year before. Um, sure. And I, I was like, okay, man, that's kind of weird. And like I looked up his stats, and Hyunjin Ryu had hit three home runs the previous year. Okay. But he was like a lifetime one sixty hitter, and he wasn't even the best pitcher at the time who was known for being a good hitter that that was madison bumgarner mad bum was always he wasn't known, even yeah. the best i saw mike hampton hit a home lefty in the like what man yeah. i just i found that so like i i still think about that all the time That's the guy so who weird so insistent that if he was take any other pitcher in the league and this is when clayton kershaw he, was like he heard the guy it, he know? heard that somewhere and was like yes like mm-hmm. it spoke to his soul yeah <laughs> he, he, he was feeling himself he just Yo. wanted hyunjin ryu Pitcher. Not the best pitcher, not the best hitter, but apparently, <laughs> good enough. Apparently, he gets it done. <laughs> that he could be the cornerstone of your franchise. Yeah. Um. You know what pitcher could absolutely smash? Dontrell Willis. I'm not familiar with his hitting numbers, but I was going to say Garrett Cole. <laughs> <laughs> Cole was uh, for a hitter at least, or for yeah. a pitcher. I mean, he uh, a 163 career hitter, but he hit 206 in 2013 in 36 plate appearances. Wow. 17 games, not bad. He also has three career homers. Wait, silver he has slugger. 15 RBIs in his career. How Not about bad. that? Not bad. Not bad. I saw the movie Bottoms a couple weeks ago in the theater. Tell uh, me about it because I don't know what it is. It's the only new movie I've actually seen in a theater since, I think, Oppenheimer because there's just like nothing 
coming out right now, which is totally lame. Yeah. Um, also, we apologize for the dog. There's nothing we can do. I about don't think it. anybody can hear the dog. Hopefully, but I if hear you, the dog. If I you hear, hear the, the dog. dog, yeah, there, there's a dog for the that dog. is barking near He's got a lot to say. Building. He's yeah. he's a loud boy. What's your thoughts on bottoms? Um. <laughs> so. <laughs> Bottoms, uh, d- directed by Emma Seligman, uh, starring Rachel Senate and AO House of Representatives. That was a shitty joke. Uh, Rachel Senate and AO Edabiri. Um, Wait, what was the AO? The like, other one's name is Senate. So she would be House oh. of. Oh. <laughs> fucking stupid. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was a little high concept for you, pal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway. But yeah. Um, yeah, the the movie Bottoms, her first movie, uh, Shiva Baby, got totally fucked over because it was released during the very start of COVID. Uh, supposed to be like Rachel Sennett's star turn in this like very um, high paced, very like un- uncomfortable, um, high high stress movie from the producers of Pitch Perfect and Cocaine Bear. Not a great sell, to be honest. A movie about empowering women, in parentheses, the, the hot, hot ones. ones. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's pretty fun. I will give this movie is that these movies don't get made these days, so it's kind of... It's, it's true, it's yeah. It's fun to see like something like this go to theater. Yeah, Shiva Baby, I, I didn't really love. It was like a one location type thing about this girl who goes to a bat mitzvah, I think, and uh, she runs into a bunch of people who she doesn't know know each other, who are all involved in different parts of her lives, and it's just a series of escalating, horrifying, like, conversations with, like, various family members and just, like, awkward moments and just, like, oh, I would want to get the fuck out of there if I was there. That totally worked for, for some people. A lot of people love that. That isn't particularly for me like i i do love like that high stress kind of cinema but like i like it more if like we're watching people who are doing something impressive you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like something like like he i don't know thief like michael mann is like the the main guy that i think of or something like that but like in recent years like the the safties with like good time and like uncut gems like i think of something like where it's like somebody like somebody where it's just like how how are they doing all of this like why like and you're you're, you just want to like pull your hair out because of how like the character is escalating that's not necessarily because like you the situation see yourself it. <laughs> in like this particularly awkward situation right. like it's just it, it isn't something that works for me as well as it works for others i guess sure but i was happier to sit i was happy to say that i did enjoy bottoms quite a bit more this is a high school comedy marshawn lynch is in it marshawn lynch is in it yeah i was just i was just gonna get to that that's um, it, fun. it has a it has a really Does great a role cat yeah he's he's a great supporting actor he plays the like teacher so the, the basic premise of the movie is these two girls they are lesbians and they are unpopular and nobody wants to hang out with them and so they start a fight club for girls like to empower women to be like you we don't you don't have to you don't have to be afraid of the rival football team when they and they're in the the upcoming game it's it's kind of a flawed plot but um <laughs> this movie looks like riverdale no yeah it, it totally and like the, I th- it still I, looks fun it's just like it, i think that that's kind of like riverdale what, what th- they were going for like something that you know i just especially noticed towards the like back half is is how it kind of turns its own plot like into it it like into a, a joke that it's like a 
aware of in itself like right. it's, it's almost like satirical where like none of the stakes really actually matter and it's more about just the like uh, you can't do that you can't cop out school. halfway through yeah i mean like normally i would i would think that and that is honestly one of my my main criticisms of the movie but i do think that they did a good job of that like i i think that they uh they like executed it well to the point where like i could only really engage with it as it was like a comedy sketch but sure i thought it was a good comedy sketch you know and just like kind of a long one and i i guess that is kind of like underselling some of the performances because ao debris is very very good and uh rachel senate like uh you know shiva baby she was in that i looked up um stories like and then there were none uh, and uh, bodies, bodies, bodies was on there, and I think isn't Pete Davidson in that movie? Yeah, and like that's yeah. really funny that that came up on a list for people looking for like Agatha Christie. Yeah, and that's why that's what I was gonna ask you because have you seen have you seen Bodies, Bodies, Bodies? Yes, okay. I did not enjoy. it. Was it anything like an Agatha Christie type murder mystery? No, it it felt like that somebody checks. like initially pitched, "What if we did this?" But we made it all about like Gen Z and like TikTok. But to me, it just it very much felt like millennial screenwriters like taking out all of what boomers have like said about them for years and just turning that onto the next generation. Like, sure. It, it all just felt like very like lazy criticism. Like, Oh, they're they're uh, They make like TikToks and they're all about oh, like so social media and yeah. like, I don't know. A lot of people were like, and the, like Triva baby too. Like a lot of that movie like hinged on like, plot plot details hinged on like social media which some people criticize the movie for i kind of like that like I, I i think that's okay like i think that that is definitely like that, that that's where the, the world is so that's if that's where some movies choose to go as well and they dramatize like instagram or whatever and they're able to actually do it well then that's great good, i was gonna say good that is hard to do without yeah. making it extremely but extremely over like cooked like yeah. the concept feels wrong and it also can't be like the main appeal like there's a whole scene in shiva baby where they're talking about like you don't like respond to a story you don't like react to a response or something and it's like i don't i don't find that to be a very engaging scene i don't think it's it's not because like nobody wants to go watch a movie and then hear about social media Mm -hmm. like it's just like everybody hates it as it is and it, unless you're using like, it as like a critical plot point, like in a in a disappearance mystery, I wouldn't like, even go or, that far. You know though. what did it perfectly? American Vandal. American fucking Vandal. Yeah, they nailed it. Exactly. And like, That's that, a perfect example. Nothing has ever used it that perfectly. Mm-hmm. And like, I think I don't think anything ever will. Because well, no, the, it, it certainly will. Because it's, it's only going to grow from here. But like, I don't but, know, man. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is Gen you tell Z's, that same kind of like, story again? What's the Gen Z actual representation, quote unquote, in American Not movies zero. right now? It's all they're L, 23 it's all or younger. Later, right? it's like, all like later millennials making yeah. the shit. But it's like the movies right now that like you would you would think of when you think of like what tried to portray Gen Z or is like made by people who are seen in the public realm as being Gen Z. Like people see that about Emma Seligman and she's like approaching 30, I think. Like she's So, so the, like the thing people I'd would say, certainly see us as, as as Gen Z, like whether we are or not. I, like I I have I, like I, never I don't, I don't think we are. We're I, cuspy. Everybody our age says yeah, we're like no, we don't I, fit. We're cuspy. Everybody like, says we that and like I I've always said that my whole life and I yeah. still think that. But I really do. We're something else. We're not millennials, we're not Gen Z. In Truly, the public sphere, not. like what people like if we were to go out 
and we were to like star in movies and to make movies now, people would associate us directly with Gen Z. And that is something that I did Maybe. not particularly realize yeah. until Bottoms came out because I'm seeing people talk about like Gen Z filmmakers like Emma Emma Seligman oh, and she's 30. Cooper Rafe and Cooper right. Rafe is like two years older than us I believe yeah. so like he, he kind of counts a millennial. because like I don't know I've, I've seen his kind of movies and he makes like his movies are in the like Gen Z like zeitgeist, you know. Sure. Like he he made like Why, Shit House, which is about the internet. No, he made like a movie called Shit House, which is like you would think it's, well, it's postmodern, like yeah, like, and uh, anything that like satirizes okay. satire. And then, <laughs> and then like, he did, you know, um, which I don't know if Shit House is, but like the yeah. title makes me. And think then that. his next movie was uh, Cha Cha Real Smooth, which just an annoying title for me, but like it's it's very much. You know, he's he's trying to be like the Gen Z, like Mark, Mark Duplass influence, like the mumblecore type. And um, the fact that I'm seeing what the those fuck is mumblecore. <laughs> okay, so my, <laughs> you lost me. <laughs> mumblecore was like a movement of like dialogue driven independent filmmaking in like the mid to late. Did it have anything to no, um, <laughs> it it launched the careers of like Noah Baumbach and oh, okay. Greta Gerwig sure. though. So like that's kind of like its main. Oh, is it like Ladybird? Well, La- Ladybird is kind of like a descendant of it, I guess you could okay. you could make that argument. But like, if you want like an actual like mumblecore movie, watch like the Puffy Chair or anything like Kicking and Screaming, Noah Baumbach or um, Squid and the Whale. I think counts. I I like Squid and the Whale. That's a very like. By your name. that's the kind of movie where i think it hits the appeal partially for me that like some people felt with like shiva baby whereas like the like discomfort of that situation like for me there are just connections that 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 movie makes that i think work and just feel more like cinematic or like maybe even like literary i don't know sure but you can definitely find that like throughout that whole film movement. i joked call me by your name in there i don't know if you caught that i Oh, <laughs> I thought that was funny. I, I make sure you went, it that. went right over my head. <laughs> yeah, but it, it it is kind of funny that like its biggest um, its biggest results have turned into the Barbie movie and the guy from the league. You know, sure. Um, so but where was I going with that? I was saying I don't think that the public has really grasped what Gen Z's contributions to cinema are going to be yet because I largely don't think that they've really happened. So I actually had a point on this. So um, I, I don't know how accurate this is. This is kind of hearsay, but I remember hearing at some point that people said that millennials arriving on the film scene is what gave us super bad. Because they grew up with a shit ton of movies that did not, that were supposed to appeal to them and didn't. Mm-hmm. And so then it was like, it was Seth Rogen and uh, Jonah Hill. And no, no, no. no, or, no. Oh, sorry, Seth Rogen and, uh, and Bill Hader. Um, yes, and Bill Hader. Thank you. I forgot. Fucking yeah. Bill Hader's a goddamn genius. I love him. Um, the, uh, like, they decided it was like, hey, you know, we want to make the movies that we want to watch. And, it, you know, that kind of gave them the ability to give their voice or present their voice to a generation that was like, eager to hear it instead of like listening to what older people thought of them. And so super bad was like the beginning of like those kinds of comedies that were made by people for the age group that they were being made by. So like that, that idea is kind of, you know, it gives you some hope. Like, but I, the thing I is, I think that's fair. Every, yeah. every generation, not even every generation, every age can say that. Cause like, mm. you know, it's not, I mean, 
I do think there is clearly a distinction between, you know, like we, we grew up in the mid, I like my, when I think of like shit that I would like media that related to me the most, I like, I truly, I, I don't know, like 16, 2016, 2017, like that's where I feel like comfortable with like things that were like, Sure. Made to like speak to our age group because it was like the end of high school, the beginning of college, which is mm-hmm. like a time that is very much focused on by I, people I, who make stuff. <laughs> like, you know. Personally, I still don't feel that that has ever been depicted on screen. Like, I like, like one of the main reasons that I want to make movies, I don't feel like, like we were in kindergarten when the Iraq War started. Right. And. We graduated you high school. You that in a place I was not Sorry. expecting. Sorry. <laughs> we, were, like, we were in high school in 2016. We graduated college in 2020. Like Those are all very yeah, like, yeah, all unique that. But Bin Laden. moments <laughs> that I have never seen that experience no, depicted true. in a way where I feel seen by that. And I, I would like to do that eventually. I um, will say... Um, and also something you were going to something you were saying about yeah, uh, yeah, super bad yeah. as well now all of the younger millennials are trying to remake super bad and anytime a high school comedy comes out now everybody yeah. goes straight to is this the it's new super bad like it yeah. happened when um what was it called well sure but i was thinking the one with beanie feldstein um i don't know if i've seen it book smart yeah book smart they were like is is book smart the new super bad and it very much was not and now even like bottoms people coming out people are comparing bottoms to super bad i think that that one might make a a little bit more sense because it's both sure. about its protagonist trying to get laid. It seems like two like awkward main characters yeah. too, who so are like trying it, to navigate high school. Kind of works, like, you know. That's I mean the thing is though that is such a universal story for like American teenagers. Like everyone has gone through high school and like lived out what the fuck it's like to be you know a kid who has no idea what the hell they're doing and like you know learning about the world or whatever and like all that comes with it. Like in uh, like honestly, I think. The Jump Streets did like a good job of it's exaggerated to shit, but having like weird characters and everything is like you know like they like make everything competent comedy stupid. Those that's all it is. They're, are they're really just funny good movies. Comedies yeah, and they're the only. But with, they feel relatable too in a way that is it, obviously I never had fucking undercover cops crash a Peter <laughs> Pan performance, but like it's a like just the the characters feel. It's comedy Grounded. that feels current. With yes, yes. It, that's that's really what it is. And I think when I said like 2016, 2017, that's like the era where I was like, okay, they kind of have a grasp on how to make a comedy that will feel like grounded mm-hmm. not over the top there's no like reachy cringy Fortnite shit it's like you know it's <laughs> like they they have a grasp on what people will actually enjoy and want to see instead of like you know trying to appeal to the lowest common denominator and failing that's and everybody a, hates it yeah like, like that's an, an, another you know. thing too is like anytime any and like i'm sure and like every every generation goes through this with just like the previous generation's yeah. screenwriters not being able to appeal to them but like it, it really is absurd like the extent to which they're like Fortnite and yeah. like YouTube yeah, and not like YouTube yeah. anymore. It's TikTok. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess it was. I guess it was like YouTube for us. It was TikTok for them. Yeah, yeah. and it's, YouTubers. Like, remember, everybody hated YouTubers. Now everyone hates TikTokers. I mean, yeah, people still hate YouTubers. I to think. be fair, people should hate YouTubers. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Gen Z cinema. I'm excited to see where it goes, and I'd like I to be a part of it. I think there's going to be some interesting stuff. Like I, you know, like I, yeah, that's such a lame take for me to have. Like, oh yeah, they'll figure something. Out. They'll be all like, right. Of course they will. They'll, you know. Like the, every generation has, you know, something to say, and of course, you know, you're you're, you know, shaped by the environment that you grow up in, and this is, you know, obviously, there's going to be a lot of people who have a lot to say about um, 
you know, the last like few years specifically, first of all, Trump, COVID, protests, global warming, or global warming, how old am I? Climate change, and like, just, I don't know, everything is like, there. you want me to list off more global issues for you? Is that Politics, gonna, is that man. Gonna, yeah, no, but my point being, it's Ukraine, just like, the, like where, Zelensky, where, <laughs> I don't know, keep going. My point is just that where, when we were growing up, it was the Iraq war and, you know, whatever, the, uh, the uh, fucking recession. Or and whatever. I don't feel like that has been reckoned with at all. No. They made movies about Vietnam. They made soldiers movies yeah. about soldiers coming home from Vietnam. Heroic soldiers, soldiers who were treated like shit. Right. And right, right. like you just watched Rambo. I did yeah, <laughs> I did watch Rambo. Man. But like everything is the Green Berets now. It's all just patriot like everything about Iraq. Like Brian De Palma made an Iraq movie that I would that I am interested in watching. I have not seen it. It's called Redacted. That I think is the, the type of movie I would like to see about sure. Iraq. But at least in the Did mainstream, you see Argo. No. Okay, me neither. Uh, but in the like mainstream depiction of those wars in that time in history is like it. It. It's all descendants of twenty four. Like of twenty four. Yeah, that's a yeah. that's a John Boy's video too. Is, by the way, yeah, um, it is. But the uh, yeah, I like. I don't know. We could do. So um, I don't know. I feel like that, a lot that's going to fall on us. Too. Media also feels like it's kind of less prevalent than it was when we were little. Have you ever noticed that? I think that it also creates a possibility for there to be a simultaneous culture where people are saying that there's no more violence anymore, and we we got got rid of it all, and we solved it, and everything's okay because this is America and. Oh, that's not, over and that's not at all what I was saying. No, I don't mean what, what I don't, <laughs> yeah. and I don't think that, that that was what, what you're saying. I yeah. think there's absolutely that, that sentiment that like dominates a lot of America. Okay. Um, I think that's fair. But what, basically the point that I was going to make, well, two things. One, I just saw a trailer for like the Expendables four and I was like, this feels like a fucking relic from another time. And the other time is when they made Expendables 1, 2, and 3. Those came out in like 2009, 12, and 15 or something. <laughs> like, that's, it's not that long ago. And I saw that, like, maybe it's just because of the actors and they're all ancient now, but I was just like, man, they don't make shit like this anymore. It just doesn't get made. And, like, that's the case for a lot of different, you know, genres of movies. Like, I, studio comedies, we've discussed a lot on this podcast. But they don't make studio comedies very often. Um, even though now, I mean, there's like, been a few in the last few months which you know, yeah it's good. true good to see i think they kind of realized that around the same time probably um or well much longer ago because they had to be coming out by the time that we were talking about it but anyway i um, get what you mean though about like those like two, those like late 2000s 2010s yeah. movies that feel like cultural relics like that fucking that's like possible and like you know all but even like jack ryan or jack reacher like whatever name a jack like <laughs> you know like those really over the top cia secret agent uh, you know whatever just any any sure. spy any big burly blow jack up Bauer, or like really jack Bauer, jack. fucking what's his name like the transform michael bay movies like all sure. those shits i feel like they have kind of just gone away and been replaced, first of all, by Marvel, but mostly by, like, real fucking violence mm -hmm. instead. And I think nobody wants to, you know, fill their time up with, like, violent shit. Violence <laughs> like, is, like, on the internet. You can say yeah. Twitch. You can, do you want to, if you want to, like, seek that shit out, you can find it. And yeah. then that reduces the demand for it in, like, mainstream culture. And then that's why everything on cable tv is now for like 70 year olds in in iowa yeah it's just 
pretty that's much just how it is like there's there's no monoculture it's done yeah there it's you go. cooked we're done with it that i also was thinking about that recently because I, like when we were watching um i was watching monday night football at my girlfriend's apartment and when rogers tours achilles i was like this is going to be one of those things that it's like everybody's watching it and it's like fucking damar hamlin mm-hmm. last year and that was on monday night football too and that is i think the last thing that we all do. And by all, I mean probably about a seventh America. of the country. That America does. The does last thing we do accurate. The Super Bowl is the last that's, yeah. that's the last thing. I get it. I mean it's the yeah. Super Bowl and presidential elections. Yeah. That's it. Th- those are our those are our events now. That's all we do. And Man, that's crazy. The fourth of July. And, and responses to mass shootings. And New Year's. Yeah. And New Year's. And the Thanksgiving Day Parade. And bailing out the banks. and <laughs> Yeah, that too. <laughs> and churches molesting children. I don't know. Now I'm just... I think that's only a small subset now at I'm this just, point. Not, now I'm reaching. Yeah. Man. All of the problems, man. They exist. crazy. I think we should probably wrap it up with I that. I think that's the end of the episode, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, keep um, an eye out for some new shit that we're going to be putting yes. out in the next couple of weeks. We um, are going to be ramping it up in yep. a major, major way. Uh, if you do not follow us Get already, your ready. Uh, go at, yeah, indeed, <laughs> go at Mudville Pod. Uh, we just... Not really. We just migrated our uh, Twitter account over to a different one, so if you were a follower and you haven't, on over and followed us on the new one please do so i know that is a confusing request and i apologize but <laughs> do it <laughs> that has been it for please. us this has been mudville i have been nolan rabine i've been brody Staub. enjoy the new intro we don't have an outro that's okay that'll be we'll fine. figure something out Either thanks way, everybody enjoy the new intro